No, man. Are you fucking serious right now? Do you know anything about dragons? I apparently well, let me just start if, here. Do you know anything about dragons? Apparently, if you know that there's a yeah. lot of dragons ever, with hair on them, then ever, apparently I know dick. Other. The phenomena you're about to witness could well revolutionize your way of thinking. We are presenting startling facts and evidence that take up where other explanations leave off. Some of these revelations may very well go against things you have been taught and perhaps believed all your life. Prepare yourself for the evidence which will follow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am your host, Adam Portress, and I'm joined by Matt Smith. I tell you, that John Popper can play that harmonica. Not not even close, but good enough. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but he can. He can. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong there. He is a man that plays the harmonica quite well. That statement, not incorrect. <laughs> Uh, I well, didn't say on that song. No, you just said in general. No, you made it. You didn't say he did a good job there. So that that that. I'm trumping the show already. God mm-hmm. damn it! I just look. You don't know what I said. I did not say that. I, all I said was the best thing that I could have said, and it was fantastic. I tell you, nobody said it better than I me. make. I say the best quotes. <laughs> say the best quotes. I say the best quotes. Let's be honest. I mean, look, I I don't like to toot my own horn here, but the best quotes happen for me. So all I'm saying is I'm making. I'm making podcasting great again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And good night, everybody. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for uh, kind of dealing with the uh, little day, uh, day, week off that we had and everything. Well, I mean, we did a show. We did it a show. The same show. It was, yeah, it was just the same show twice. I tacked on some stuff at the beginning of the other show. I don't think that was worthless. We did the work. <laughs> so, you know. It's the same. I needed a goddamn break, okay? Yeah. Like, Adam needed, like, every once in a while, we need a fucking week off. But we did not take a week off this week. We got plenty. Uh, we got two big new releases for you. We are going to be talking Pete's Dragon and Sausage Party, the new R-rated animated movie. One very much for kids. One looks like it's for kids, but is also very much not. Uh, and we're going to be talking about, uh, I think we have two other new release reviews that we'll be talking about in the What You've Been Watching segment, because we got, you know, we go out and we see everything. So we let you, again, we let you know what to watch, what to ignore, and, uh, you know, that's it. That's what we do here, you know? Indeed. And we, ha- and we have fun doing it most most of the time. Uh, this week wasn't bad. No, this week, no, this week was, this week was tolerable. Compared to a lot of other weeks, uh, you know, with the summer winding down, though, you know, you always kind of get a little bit of uh, your butthole kind of clinches up just a touch going, ooh, what do we got going uh, September, October? Those can be, sometimes you can get a good one sneaking past there, and other times it's just like it's the it's back to like, you know, February, March area, you know? Well, I guess, except uh, I think we got some good stuff coming up soon. I haven't really looked at the schedule. I'll be we honest. St- we, st- we got just this next week, right? We got uh, that new uh, Leica movie, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. I heard good things. Uh War Dogs, which looks interesting, I, although we'll yeah, see. I'm interested. I'm interested to talk about that and the progression of comedy directors over to more serious things because I think that's also going to be a big conversation about that movie as well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then of course there's uh there's the big remake that no one has bitched about their childhood being ruined by. <laughs> 
been her, and it looks terrible. It so. does look awful. Oh, God, I'm just, I'm so not looking forward to that thing. But we'll watch it because that's what we do for you people. We suffer and we slave away. Much like Ben-Hur, we slave away watching these god-awful movies. I'd rather be down in the bowels of a ship being beat with a whip than have to watch some of the fucking things that we do on this show. We do them for you people. So you're welcome. <laughs> in, the, in the Roman sense of things. In the Roman sense of things, of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so check this out, man. Uh, we don't get a lot of emails on this show, and we're sorry that we had kind of a, a lapse in the, in the kind of reading of them. It was not on purpose. Purpose. As you know, we took a week off last week, as we just mentioned. Um, so we haven't got to everything, and it kind of came in at an off time. It, look, it's excuses, excuses, but we got them, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, Matt, we have a bit of an email, yes? Yeah, we have an email. Well, it's a le- it's a rather long one, and we appreciate it, but uh, maybe you want to su- sum it up a little bit, just so, for levity's sake. Uh, yeah, so we've been talking uh, somewhat often uh, on this show about uh, young actors and how good they are these days. Yeah. Kid actors, uh, particularly. Um, we'll have a couple more this week. Yeah, so, uh, you know, listener, uh, I'm, I'm guessing Mo Favo. That's how I that's pronounced how it on say the preacher, it. so, yeah. That's how I'm going to say it. Uh, Mo Favo um, says, uh, Hi, guys, really enjoying your podcast. Uh Found you through Preacher. Uh, thank you for uh, coming over to Film Find. Um, right now I'm listening to episode 122 and you're discussing child actors. I have two theories contributing to this, but both are based on technology. Okay, so uh, here he goes. The first is the fact that child actors today can watch all kinds of movies at home on their computers to learn from. Additionally, they can uh, film the same performances on their iPhones and compare their scene with uh, whoever else. Uh, he gives the example of Judy Garland or Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. And secondly, the child actor can then go online and pull every interview the actor did discussing how they created the character and take notes. Um, and he, he specifically points to uh, Stranger Things. He says, you read a Millie Bobby Brown interview, uh, who played Eleven, uh, where she discusses her martial arts training, and you know this actor is going to be doing uh, action movies in her early 20s, uh, where right now it takes female actresses to get those opportunities much later in their career. That much is true. Uh, yeah, I mean, typically. Uh, although there are some exceptions. I would argue that uh, Mila Jovovich, for example, uh, very yeah. early in her uh, mid-20s or so, um, what was doing action cinema. Um, I think she as was always. Was, I think she was, was always. By the just, way, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I think they're also like. I think like especially with like those two, they're they're not your typical kind of you know prissy girls. They're 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 get in there. They're get your hands dirty kind of gals. Uh, yeah, I'd buy that. So I, I feel um, like they so, could go so into that. So before we get into more. the other part, uh, what do you think about this uh, getting online and checking out other performances thing? Adam? I think it's interesting because you know we we often you know don't think of you know actors studying the craft of acting really that much uh but there's never been more time where they have access to these things uh to be able to go out and search via video or like like i said just literally looking on youtube and seeing you know you know prolific actors going hey here's how i kind of here's sort of my method and stuff for christ's sakes the actor studio could give you you know hours upon hours of you know entertainment uh as far as that goes right but and, and I will say absolutely uh, the ability and ease with which now that we can really record and play back, um, you know, scenes and things much better. But the real big 
crux of it all, honestly, is I think there's a different mindset in a lot of ways, especially coming from parents. I think there's still a lot of parents who are like, hey, if you want to if you want to do it, great. But um, we're also, you know, it's it's like it's like any overachieving parent, you know, they get in there and they're just like, hey, you're you're going to get fucking straight A's on everything. You're going to be there every fucking day of school and you're going to be that asshole kid that gets up and goes, hey, I've been to school every day since kindergarten through 12th grade. and I never missed a fucking day and I aced every one of my tests. They're just overachievers. But those a, people are so boring, aren't they, though? But this is more in the artistic sense of that. Go, OK, you don't want to do no book learning. You're going to be an acting son of a bitch. Now sit back and do what we tell you to do. And then they Joe Jackson the piss out of them until they get a great performance. I, uh, I do wonder about it. I mean, like I find the claim possibly a little dubious, right? Uh, like the idea that ch- child actors, for example, are just sitting on YouTube watching um, other performances to study them. Uh, I mean, I think I think you just do that intuitively by watching a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and never has there been a more time where things where you have more access to something and an easily readable access for sure. But I but I don't think, for example, uh, I mean, I would be very surprised if they're doing like uh, like I was listening to that WTF interview that um, Ethan Hawke did mm-hmm. with Mark Maron, and uh, he was talking about when he was uh, when he got cast in Training Day. Like his method for for <laughs> prepping for that role. Yeah. Did, you, did you hear this interview? Oh yeah. So he talks about uh, how he uh, just went and watched all these Denzel movies, uh, kind of like how uh, like football teams would watch playback mm-hmm. of other teams to see how they played, right? Um, because he knew that uh, Denzel was just going to be in there chewing up the scenery because He's that's what be Denzel the, does. He's going right? to be there so playing his A game. Strategy right? of of how do I also get on this field and compete at this level yep. kind of thing. Um, I don't know that they're doing that, but I do find the, uh, the idea that access has granted some sort of uh, um, avenue for them to, uh, like child actors, to uh, kind of intuitively understand things a little differently. I don't know that playback necessarily fits into that model as much as just watching i mean uh like most things like i tell my film students all the time like you will learn more about the art and craft of cinema by sitting down and watching 10 movies a week than you will uh reading it in this book uh written by a you know somebody who knows their shit Mm -hmm. but but you go and watch that stuff and you will learn it and then you can go and read and figure out the, the the specifics of it. And a lot of that, you'll be shocked at how much you go, I already fucking knew that because I saw it and I put it yeah, together in my brain. Like, oh. Yeah, you just don't have the language for it yet. Exactly. And may, maybe um, you need to put that in the so, right kind of vocabulary and context with which, but you'll it, it'll seep in there. Yeah. So the second thing uh, here is uh, technology, uh, right? So technological advancement. Uh, being a positive impact on all actors. Uh, so uh, specifically, Mo Favo here says uh, the, this is a reason why, why so many act, movie actors are migrating to TV, um, and, it, and, and it has to do with uh, scheduling software and project management. Uh, film projects able to schedule personnel for very specific time blocks and stick to them really... Uh, to them in real time very efficiently uh, that works much better for the child actor and the parents uh, willingness to commit to a specific project like a TV series. Uh, they know the time commitment early on. Um, and he gives a, he gives this um, uh, 
example from NCIS where Mark Hare, I, I don't, I don't actually know uh, what happened because I don't watch NCIS or keep up with anything on CBS really that isn't Two Broke Girls. Um, but uh, he says Mark Harmon on NCIS uh, helped to get uh, that show's runner. Uh, that showrunner uh, removed and replaced because he was never on schedule. Um, and this started about 10 years ago. Hmm. Uh, but he says you can tell which shows and movies are from well-organized and planned project and which are not. And the actors are going to uh, show up where it runs efficiently. And uh, furthermore, he says, I just think parents would not commit their children after one bad experience with time commitment. Uh, especially... Um, with them being able to act and then still be a child and go to school and things like that. So, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's very Which is true. another interesting point. Again, I don't know how true it is. I'm not on the inside of any of this uh, currently, and I certainly this is outside of the realm of what I study with the industry. So, Well, I, I mean, I think very much I, I can definitely see, uh, you know, some definite credence in what he's kind of saying is, is that those mm -hmm. cats, man, uh, it is – you know, they have movies are a nice or a well oiled machine, right? Television are a well oiled German machine. Where like it is like it is down to the letter. Everything is just so precise and by and large, those guys are so on point. They do stick to schedules so fast and everything, and it is done in a quick and efficient time and everything because they have to. Because they just fucking have to. Yeah. And uh, no, I, th I think there's uh, there's probably some credence in that for sure. Yeah, I, again, I, I, again, I, I haven't I, I haven't worked it directly in production grass. myself in quite some time, so I'd have to get mm -hmm. a little. We'd have to get some Sean Keenan in on this one to really kind of give us the what's what. Yeah. But anyway, Mo Man, thanks for the uh, email and everything. And of course, everybody can email us at uh, thefilmfind at gmail dot com, and we appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for emailing in. And uh, you know, if you got a if you got a couple uh, seconds in your day, drop on down to the iTunes, drop us a five star review, and uh, we really appreciate that and stuff too, man. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, let's get to the what you've been watching kind of thing. Anything in particular uh, lighten you up these days? Uh, you know, I I haven't been watching too much because I'm trying to prep for the new semester. Uh, but there are some things on the horizon, uh, like l literally. Uh, uh, Yesterday, they dropped uh, this news that I'm pretty excited about. Universal uh, has completed a 4K uh, restoration of uh, their Marx Brothers films. Oh, right. And uh, they're going to drop a new Blu-ray in uh, in October. Uh, Blu-ray set. It's going to have. So it's it's the set. They did a DVD edition back in 2004, but it's going to have uh, coconuts. Animal Crackers, Monkey Business, Horse Feathers, and Duck Soup, uh, all of which are pretty damn terrific. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't wait to see them in HD, man. Uh, I mean, the, the DVD cleanup already looked pretty damn good, but, uh, you know, in a 1080p uh, format, it'd be pretty goddamn solid, I think. I don't know if they're going to release a 4K. Because the audience of amount of, you know, yeah. Right. Um, but, but it's nice that there are 4K restorations out there, especially if you want to, uh, you know, check those out on the silver screen if somebody books them exactly so um I, other than that man i've i've just been kind of watching some fucking anthony bourdain shit in my downtime and playing the hell out of dying light the following and uh finally beat that yesterday i just uh, the got expansion to, pack i just i just got the uh the new telltale batman game uh -huh. I only played up to like kind of the title screen and everything because sometimes like I get I get wary with the Telltale game, not Telltale specifically, but maybe tell, uh, games like this where it's uh -huh. like you're you're not. It's more like an interactive movie 
in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, well, well, Telltale is known for like more uh, like point and click kind of. Yeah, you're getting a, games. this is like this is like a story that you're kind of mildly participating in, which is fine with me. I mean, you know. Yeah, I like and, some of that stuff and, too. And I love Batman, so you know, I was like, well, yes, please. Um, but that that's been pretty that's been pretty good so far. And so, but I've. Yeah, well, I'll, that's be playing, good to hear. I'll be playing more of that tonight. But it's got a neat, like, kind of cell shaded, so it almost kind of looks kind of comic booky and video gamey at the same time. But uh, neat so far. We do things well, other than oh, movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes to my detriment, I do things that I shouldn't be doing. Like crack um, uh, the other thing that I did see this week uh, is a new release. So uh-huh. I guess I'll talk about that one. Um, I went to go see this movie, uh, Blood Father. Okay. Uh, had you heard of this, Adam? This I think I would vaguely heard the title and that it was a Mel Gibson movie, but I, I don't really remember seeing any advertising. I don't even think I've seen a poster for it, but I vaguely heard some rumblings yeah, about it. I saw a poster pop up last week, and then it was out. Huh. Uh, this So this movie is from, uh, from a French filmmaker, uh, Jean-Francois Richet. Uh, who is known mostly here in the States, if at all, uh, for the remake of Assault on Precinct 13, which, which is, is pretty solid. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, but he also directed two pretty excellent uh, gangster flicks. Actually, it's just one film in two parts, uh, One uh, called called Mezrin, Part 1, Killer Instinct, and Mezrin, Part 2, uh, Public Enemy, which for a long time were on Netflix, and I don't know if they're still there, but this is about uh, like uh, real-life French gangster Jacques Mezrin um, uh, and his rise to power. And, uh, you know, Jacques Mezrin is played by Vincent Cassel, um, but like all the big... Uh, names in French cinema have uh, some kind of uh, part in here, of course, like Cécile de France, uh, Gérard Depardieu, um, Ludovine Sagnier is in there as well. Uh, but So those are what he's known for. This movie uh, is him returning to uh, the U.S. in English language, and uh, it's, it stars Mel Gibson uh, as an ex-con who uh, reunites with his uh, wayward daughter who's, who's been estranged. She ran away from home. Uh, and um, has been caught up in some dealings with the, one of the Mexican drug cartels, uh, had been dating one of the uh, nephews of a cartel head, and uh, thinks that she has killed him. And so she goes to her father, who's uh, this ex-bike uh, gang member, uh, who's done prison time and is now trying to live sober so he uh, doesn't go back to prison. Um and uh, all hell breaks loose. It's basically a revenge thriller, mm-hmm. um, but it's pretty goddamn good, man. Um, it, it stars Mel Gibson. Uh, Aaron Moriarty plays his daughter, Lydia, who uh, has been in a few things. I think she's in uh, that um, movie that I haven't seen with uh, Viggo Mortensen right now, uh, Captain Fantastic. A lot of uh, good things here about that, man. Um, she was also uh, in... Um, Jessica Jones, she played Hope, mm-hmm. the the girl who uh, was under the influence of the Purple Man. Right. Um, so uh, pretty pretty good actress. Um, Diego Luna plays uh, plays the uh, nephew that she thinks the drug cartel guy who she thinks she has killed. Uh, Michael Parks, uh, the great, amazing, uh, <laughs> fucking 
firebrand of a performer, Michael Parks, uh, plays the the leader of uh, Mel Gibson's former biker gang. Uh, <laughs> William H Macy plays his wow. uh, his AA sponsor. Um, uh, all around, like just a just a really fantastic cast. Uh, it's not a great film, but it's a really fucking good action thriller. Hmm. Um, that I think uh, you should do yourselves a favor and go and see. I don't want to talk too much about it, but like there are some really good action scenes in this uh, thing. And Mel Gibson, uh, I, I've never had a problem with his performances. Uh, I think he's been fucking great. He was amazing uh, a few years ago in that movie, um, uh, what Machete the fuck, kills. Get the Gringo? <laughs> what? Machete Kills. Well, yeah, but of course, and he was great in Expendables three, right? But but he was in this movie Get the Gringo uh, a few years back, where uh, he he uh, he was again uh, uh, like in dealing with Mexicans, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but uh, no, I mean Mel Gibson's great as always. Uh, he seems to be back. Uh, possibly not drinking as heavily as he was uh, in the mid-2000s when he had his fucking meltdowns. Well, I got um, theories on that. It's It all has to do with Chantex. Yeah. Because, no, seriously, there are people that have, like, literally, like, had almost, like, second body experiences, and, like, people have, like, you know, so you try to stop smoking, you take this Chantex drug, right? And uh-huh. uh, it, like, if you hear even in the commercials, it, like, may cause, you know, crazy delusions and shit. So yep. people go fucking nuts, and I've seen, I've, I've heard other accounts of people just going like, my wife was on this, and I did not know the person I was talking to. And then so once you get start smoking again, and then kind of wean yourself off of that stuff and get away from the drug and everything, you straighten right back out to the normal person. But that Chantex can fuck you up. And there was one thing in his um, little voicemail that he was screaming at her, and he just goes, you make me want to smoke. And I was like, oh, fuck, I guarantee you he's on that shit. <laughs> Um, well, look, you know, I've enjoyed him. But he's getting back better, man. All, all, all signs point to Mel's fucking doing what Mel's doing again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was always nice when, um, when like, uh, uh, Jodie Foster like stuck, stuck up for him, you know, like, no, he's never done anything shitty to me or anybody I've ever even fucking witnessed. Uh, he was going through a rough patch of some sort, I think. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to his fucking movie, Hacksaw Ridge. That movie looks fucking good. And I'd love him to direct Iron Man 4, which is the way Robert Downey Jr. says he would come back and do one. If Mel Gibson directed it? Yes. Okay, let's How do it. How awesome would that be? I, I bet if Hacksaw Ridge does really well. He might I, get the offer. I, I like that I, It's idea. really strange to see that fucking trailer uh, where it just says from the Academy Award winning director of Braveheart, but does not say anything about Mel Gibson. <laughs> Weird. Does not say Mel Gibson at all. It's like, like Hollywood still has the phobia of him. And, you know, yeah. like he did yeah. say some really fucked up shit about uh, Jews and he did call that. Uh, woman cop, uh, what was it, sugar tits or some shit? Yeah, like, some sugar. Which, oh, who hasn't which, called a lady sugar tits in their life? Well, no. I haven't because that shit is <laughs> fucked up. What? It's the weirdest fucking insult or <laughs> and or compliment ever. It's like, what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> but I, but I do think like he was legit going through some shit that maybe oh, he yeah. was not in control of his faculties, I right? Like so. Tom Cruise style, just fucking not able to figure out what the fuck was what. Although we figured out. Uh, like Mel was actually doing that, and I don't know what was up with Tom Cruise. We, let it, just, we, uh, we all let Tom Cruise back into our hearts, so you know. 
Um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, that's why I saw Blood Father. Uh, I don't think it'll be out in theaters very long. It's uh, it's uh, Lionsgate premiere. So like their little small arm now that they're kind of a mini major studio. That's crazy. Um, uh, so uh, I, I think it's only got it's kind of gotten like a like a courtesy release in theaters. I, I think is what it feels like. Um, it's out here. But uh, definitely track that thing down and see it. It's it's pretty fucking good actually. Very good. And and Mel Gibson looks. Uh, like a real badass with a with a beard and then when he shaves it off three quarters of the way through the movie you're like whoa that's mel gibson what what anyway you saw another new movie this week i did i saw florence foster jenkins uh i don't have my fucking notes in front of me it's a meryl streep movie Uh and uh here's the thing man i go into meryl streep movies and i like meryl streep don't get me wrong but i go into meryl streep movies going all right it's gonna be another performance from Meryl Streep. It's gonna be good, but it, it it because sometimes it almost seems like she's not trying. Like it like it comes so easily. You know what I mean? That it just uh-huh. it just kind of like flows out of her like water. Almost like she can't even help it. And like part of me was even like going into this thing going, I'm gonna have a bad attitude about this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in a little bit of judgment of you, Meryl. A little bit of judgment. And God damn it if she didn't fucking win me over again. <laughs> she is really fucking good in this. Uh, she's great. Hugh Grant in is, is in it. It's about a lady who was kind of a, uh, she was a rather a fairly well-to-do lady and everything. She runs this uh, musical club in, in uh, I guess, New, yeah, in New York. And uh, where they kind of put on almost, it's in the, it's in the early 40s, so almost kind of vaudeville type things but like like think like high class vaudeville if you will there's mm-hmm. do, there's some like stage readings and stuff there's like almost um dramatic paintings come to life so to speak where they kind of will have a stage and everything and there's a live band that plays and you know the theatrical lighting comes in and costumes and all this kind of shit it's very interesting and i'm like wow this is what fucking rich people did weird um but uh so she gets a she gets a crow and decides like you know well she wants to start singing again. And here's the thing. Not exactly what we'll call a singer. Not very good. <laughs> In fact, she's pretty fucking awful at singing. Yeah, she she is notoriously well-known as yeah terrible so uh and then she gets it in her head like you know a lot of rich people like hey well why don't i just go ahead and do this and so she talks to enough to to the right people and everything next thing you know she is booked to play carnegie hall after uh they had like kind of it's like she did like kind of a like a recording like in a record studio right Right. she set it up herself like her husband who uh played by hugh grant who's kind of like um Kind of like just a husband in name and actions only, really, I guess. Because mm-hmm. uh, she he's not like her real lover or anything. He he plays a little... I, I don't know. They don't get the exact age, but I feel like he plays a little bit younger than what her character is. Though they look about the same. Hugh Grant's like... It's not bad, but man, he's got you know. It's we're we're far away from fucking Julia Roberts days. We got a we got an older guy here, and he's just been he must have been smoking for like the past twenty five years. But um, he's in there, and like he doesn't know what's going on. She's like, "Hey, I booked this thing." She goes and records this record. It's just fucking tone deaf as shit, and uh, she decides she's gonna start printing these things up and giving them out as gifts to people. And one of them gets out and gets played on the radio, and it is seen as a joke. 
And of course, she doesn't know it's a joke. This woman does not know that she's a horrible singer. She's getting lessons from a professional who, you know, is saying she's doing great things and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I forget. The, God damn it. I got to get the book out. The uh the the guy who uh plays uh wallet or uh the cat on uh fucking goddamn Big Bang Theory. I can't fucking remember his name. Sorry. Who 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 plays who? Oh, uh, Simon Helberg. Simon Helberg plays uh the pianist, and uh and he's just like, can anybody tell this broad that she's no damn good at singing? And uh, he's he he puts on a great. Everyone gives a fantastic performance in this movie. Uh, it's it's directed by uh, Stephen Fears, 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 Frears, F R E A, Frears. There's an R in there. I should have read. Uh, Stephen Frears is fucking amazing. Yeah, and and this is this is a really good movie. I mean, it's it's nice. It's it's heartfelt and everything. You know, you feel you feel bad about the woman, but you also kind of. You applaud her for wanting to do what she wants to do, and originally, you know, then she kind of finds out she's a bit of a laughing stock and everything. But yet, at the same time, mm-hmm. as as much as it bothers her, she also kind of embraces it at the same time too. Uh, but it's it's a really interesting story that's based on real life. And uh, you know, she kind of grew to di- not do a whole lot. The piano player, who you know, is just like he finally gets to go and play Carnegie Hall. He almost refuses to do it because he's like, "Look, I'm going to be a laughing stock of this thing." But he's paid really well, and he actually does like her, and she likes him, and everything. So everybody's got everybody's like super chummy and everything. Uh, but this is a really good movie. I, I was kind of astounded at how much I actually liked it. I thought it would be decent and everything. I thought oh, Meryl Streep's going to give another Meryl Streep performance, but man, she just. She she owns it, and the second I think that, oh, she's going to just do something else that's kind of the same, she does that, but she does what she does so damn well that you can't help but just go, fuck, that's good, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, like, um, Stephen Frears is uh, one of the great living directors, actually. He he makes a shit ton of movies, one. Yeah. Um, but really, really good ones on top of that. I mean, he he first broke out back in the 80s with My Beautiful Laundrette and then uh, Dangerous Liaisons, uh, which if if anybody listening has not seen those, if you haven't seen them, Adam, oh, yeah. fucking drop it and go and see them. Uh, and then after that, he just has kind of like a kind of a lull. He directs The Grifters, which is really good. Yeah. And then he does this movie that uh, was released here uh, with Dustin Hoffman as Accidental Hero, but I think internationally it might just be Hero. Um, uh, then he kind of has this lull where it's like, uh, so it's Accidental Hero, Mary Riley, which is, I think, an underrated film. Uh, with It's Jekyll and Hyde, right? But from mm-hmm. the perspective of The Maid, played by Julia Roberts. Um High Fidelity. One of my favorite movies right? of all time. Uh, Dirty Pretty Things with uh, Audrey Tateau and, um, uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Chwetel Ejiofor, right? Uh, who's fucking amazing in there. Um, and then, right, like, you got The Queen, uh, Tamara Drew. He's got uh, Philomena from uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, you were a big um, fan of that, right? What's that? You were a big fan of that one, real? Yeah, Philomena's fucking good. Uh, he's just, he's great, man. Stephen Frears is a, is a, is an amazing, uh, small budget filmmaker and he really pulls out performances from people. So I'm not surprised that, uh, Streep was able to win you back over. Even if, even if her, uh, I, I, I was reading this article the other day, uh, that I found pretty interesting that was just asking like, uh, can Meryl Streep even play a normal person anymore? (laughs) 
I like it. Uh, and it, it made a like pretty compelling argument. Like she, she's a f phenomenal fucking performer. Right. Um, but like the last time she played a regular person, uh, outside of maybe you could possibly argue Ricky and the flash, but like even that has its little Essence, eccentricities, yeah, of exactly. course. Right. Well, it was really like sometime back in the, in the early nineties, <laughs> like the last time Streep, uh, was, was just a normal, I Woman. just want her to play like a lawyer or something. That would be that's like that's pretty straight laced kind of thing. Not one that has like a drinking problem or something, but just uh -huh. one that has to like you know win a case for a cripple kid or something. <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that how those things work? Uh, yeah, sure. That was what the judge was about. <laughs> uh. No, it wasn't. But it'd be great if it was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you know, she's done little forays into there like it's complicated she's mostly a normal just regular person but hmm. yeah I, I mean like her career for the past two decades has just been these towering fucking performances right just just oh, like amazing shit devil wears prada uh angels in america for fuck's sake um what, what was the one where she was the nun with uh philip seymour hoffman doubt doubt yeah, that, fucking that was great. Fucking great. Yeah, everybody. God damn it, everybody was good in that, and that's where it kind of really put Viola Davis on the map for everybody. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm glad. I want to see Florence Foster Jenkins. I just couldn't squeeze it in this week yet. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a nice little flick there. I I, I had a good time at it for sure. All right. Well, let's get into it, kids. Here is the first new release review of this week. Here's the trailer for Pete's Dragon. I was out here at the Eastern Pad. But that's... 50 miles east. From where we found him. Hey. Wait, 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 wait. Do you know where your parents are? Your family? I guess he was on a picnic or a camping trip. He wandered off and got himself lost. Been out in the woods, doing things his own way. Sounded like a boy after your own heart. How long has he been out there? Six years. Nobody can survive in that forest for six years. At least not alone. Lucy, I have Elliot. Who's Elliot? I need to get back to him. He gets scared when I'm gone. Is Elliot a person? No. He looks like a dragon. What's a dragon? Units. 
All right, that was the trailer for Pete's Dragon, our first new release review of this week. IMDb plotline, as we know, IMDb always 100% correct in everything they say and or do. The adventures of an orphaned boy named Pete and his best friend, Elliot, who just happens to be a dragon. Uh, this is uh, directed by David Lowry, starring Bryce Dallas Howard, Robert Redford, Oakes Faley, Una Lawrence, who we saw two weeks ago in uh, Bad Moms. Uh, Wes Bentley, Carl Urban, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and many more. Um, so this is kind of another in the line of uh, Disney kind of remakes Disney stuff uh, kind of thing. Um, I want to start this off by saying, don't go fucking see this in 3D. I did. Wasn't worth it. Um, <laughs> I just thought like, hey, oh, well, here's the thing. Because I got onto this, uh, this, there's this app out now called like Adam A-T-O-M. And uh-huh. like your first ticket's free, so even if it's like a fucking 3D, you know, extravaganza, it's even free. So I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll use the little free ticket for this and everything. Wish I would have used it for something else. Uh, but just because I just don't think the 3D and stuff was worth it, I, I would have rather you know something else bigger and better. But um, I wasn't overly looking forward to this. I will say this: the first teaser trailer had me very interested. I never actually saw this big long trailer for the second one. Uh, but it had me intrigued enough because, um, well, back in the day, I liked Pete's Dragon well enough. I thought it was a pretty decent movie. I don't know that I've seen it in, you know, probably right. 25 years, but nevertheless, I, I, I enjoyed it. So I was like, okay, well, kind of modern retake and retelling of that instead of, uh, you know, straight proper 2D animation and everything. We got a big uh, CGI thing. Sure enough. Okay. Seems like we got a little twist on the story. We got a Tarzan meets Pete's Dragon meets almost, I wish, King Kong, because it almost starts to go there, but doesn't, sadly. Uh, But overall, man, I think I was just kind of meh on this movie. Yeah? Yeah. I like. And here's the thing. Sentimental stuff... Fucking just does it for me. I am a I am a fucking crybaby if there ever was one. Talk of like love and friendship and never giving up and stuff, and I'm balling in the aisles. This I could give a fuck about, honestly. Well, I disagree. I, I think this movie's pretty fucking good. Well, and I'll be honest, maybe part of it was an hour into well, forty five minutes or so into the movie, these fucking like an entire family came in late as motherfuck to this thing. You let uh, you let the theater experience get to you. A I whole wish lot. I couldn't. They're laying backwards I mean, they on do, reclining chairs, talking too, at loud also, fucking like, voices. I don't let it influence how I feel about the film. I just think they're fuckers. And and with the 3D, I had to yell at somebody about that because it was fucked up. We finally fixed it, thank God. Oh, Adam has to complain again and get something fixed. Did you go to the fucking AMC again? Uh, listen, don't. It's, Dude, stop it's going to that theater. I I think the simplest solution is go. Go the five to ten extra miles away. Uh, seems like a lot of work. <laughs> it seems like well, here's the thing: far I just, well, less bullshit to well, have to deal with on a listen, weekly basis. Listen, I, like I've said, man, this follows me around like it's the fucking uh, like like it's the, the the what do you call it there? Paranormal activity. I, it doesn't matter what house I go to; it's gonna be there. Well, well, it, it's definitely there at that <laughs> theater. Uh, no, I think I think Pete's Dragon is pretty pretty great um it what i like about it is that it's very much a character driven film there's uh, very little conflict in it which i think probably a fair amount of people have a problem with uh judging from some of the commentary online but you know what fuck them uh it's 
you know, like the conflict in the original film, for fuck's sake, is that his his uh, foster parents are beating the shit out of him and they're trying to get him back. Right. You know, that's the entire conflict in that movie. And uh, here it's uh, he, you know, his uh, his parents die. Uh, that's not a spoiler. It happens first fucking scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets lost in the woods and he grows up uh, over six years with this dragon, Elliot. Um, and uh, I don't know. It's just a, I thought it was just a little sweet, charming uh, updating of that movie. And I think it looked great. Uh, I enjoyed the soundtrack. Um, I want to go for a fucking hike. Uh, after watching it, uh, I don't know. I enjoyed the hell out of it, man. Well, I mean, here's the thing. So it, it starts out with the accident and everything. Uh huh. This kid is four when we start, right? Four or five. Uh, like five, five ish, six ish. Yeah. How many years right. later I was mean, it after the crash? He's learning to read. Well, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Six. Like okay. they they estimate that he's around eleven to 12 years old okay so you know he's he's four or five years old somewhere in that neighborhood he i would say by the looks of him i'd say he's about four but just seems like a smart kid but uh first and they're like hey we're going on an adventure he's reading this book and everything and this is like it's it's pretty sweet and then you know all of a sudden they turn and then a big giant wreck happens it's shot beautifully it's very interesting the kind of volume goes out and everything and the interesting part is is that you don't really see fear on the kid's face. Is almost kind of like even wonderment, I guess, is maybe it. Because it, everything, like it, like the car literally goes upside down. Everything kind of goes weightless and everything. And it's just kind of like spacey look around and everything. He gets out, takes about mm, 45 seconds to gather himself, and then goes, well, I guess it's me from here on out. Sees a dragon and then is just like, well... I guess this is the thing I'll be doing now for the next six years of my life. Then we get to the point where we go, we literally fast forward six years. There's a title card and everything. And, you know, he's kind of, uh, like I said, Tarzan-esque. Parents gone, raising up in the jungle, but instead of by apes, we got a dragon. And, uh, you know, he's kind of taking on some, like, feral child tendencies and everything. And you know the kid, the, the kid acting, he's good. He's he's good enough. I like him. Uh, you know he's got a lot of kind of uh, what I call dog acting in him. So whenever anything is going, he just gives it a little mm, tilt to the head to the side and everything, and uh, it, it's fine and mm-hmm. well enough and everything. But he comes back to the world, and now granted, it has been some time, but boy, you'd have thought he'd have been like Tarzan, where like from like a baby. He'd not known the outside world. You know what a fucking balloon is when you're four. If you if you had the ability to read the word adventure, well, I guess, except, you know what a balloon you, is. Well, except that there are documented cases of children who have grown up in the wild, and uh, your behavior fucking changes based on your environment. You lose those memories. I mean, how much do you remember from when you were four and five years old? Mm, more from five. I mean, like, really, five, six is uh-huh. where I get most of it from. But, you know... Yeah. Yeah, and most of that, I was also that you a think slow is five too. is also six. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like, like that's the thing. Like over time, you you don't remember that shit. And if you're if you're completely removed from society, why would you ever remember it? Well, and the I big- mean, he, he remembers mom, dad, because he has the fucking book, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I, I look, man, I I just thought the movie was good, and and it's not like the original film at all, honestly. No, uh, which is fine by me because that original film. Uh, 
was it was based on an unpublished short story that Walt Disney bought the rights to, and like everything else that Walt Disney did, uh, the company and Walt himself uh, from the 30s through the 80s, they just bought the rights and then changed every fucking thing about the a thing. Slap a coat of paint on it, it's Disney. Yeah, you just like, oh, yeah, we have the nugget of the idea. So apparently this one just went back uh, to the idea of the short story, which was nothing more than a kid's lost in the wood with, woods with dragon and uh, expanded that. And that's fine by me. I, I think people are comparing it to that movie. And, and OK, maybe they're right because it is Disney. It is named Pete's Dragon. But uh, it's a very different film and one that worked for me uh, yeah. very well. I just, and and kids kids liked it in there. I yeah. was in a, I was in a theater full of kids and they enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, if you know, they, they were like booing Carl Urban when he uh, shot <laughs> Pete, when he shot uh, Elliot. Um, they were cheering at the end when he saved uh, everybody. See um, that I could deal with. These kids weren't doing that. These kids well, were being he, dickheads. Look, man, go to a different theater. All right, well, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna take ten. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say like go and take your kids to see Pete's Dragon, okay? Take them to see Pete's Dragon. Uh, they can wait on Suicide Squad. You've probably seen it anyway. Take them to fucking Pete's Dragon. <laughs> kids have probably seen Suicide Squad. Bring them into the old Pete's Dragon for a follow up. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's okay. It's serviceable for what it is. I feel mm, I feel about this the same way that I did. Uh, the Jungle Book, which is like, it's serviceable. It's okay. I'm not like, I am sure shit not rushing out to see it again. I, I don't have any wish to, you know, own this movie at any point. It's just like, okay, that was a that was a well enough experience. I don't know that we needed it, though. That's all. Um, and here's the thing. I just, like, it just drives me goddamn I mean, we bonkers. don't need any movies. Well, fair enough. I, no, we do. We need, we need Debbie Does Dallas because, you know, otherwise. No, but I just... And there's things like like the dinosaur beard, dinosaur, the fucking dragon, which kind of looks like a dinosaur, um, is fucking hairy. I don't know why that bugged the shit out of me, but it did. I, it's just a fucking dragon, man. How many dragons you know are hairy? They're all scaly. No, they're not. When have you seen a hairy dragon? Are you fucking kidding me right now? They may have some hair, perhaps. No. No, man, are you fucking serious right now? Do you know anything about dragons? I apparently, well, let me just start if, here. Do you know anything about dragons? Apparently, if you know that there's a yeah, lot of dragons ever, with hair on them, then apparently ever, ever I know a, dick. You ever seen a movie called Never Ending Story? That's a luck dragon. It's different. It's a fucking dragon, ain't it? Mm, this is more Falcor than anything else. I'll tell you, I'll give it you is, that much. So, so here's the other thing. A lot of people dismiss that shit and they go, well, you know, like uh, Chinese dragons, Japanese, like all Eastern Asia, uh, Asian dragons aren't the same thing. European dragons all have scales. No, they don't. There are European dragons that have hair. Fucking look it up. <laughs> In the it's history there. books, goddammit. <laughs> It's it's the, no it's fucking mythology, but it's there just because you go out and see one fucking Christian Bale movie with fucking Matthew McConaughey. You're like, oh, the fucking dragons. You mean there's others? Yes. <laughs> not that I not that I count, my friend. Not that I count. All right, uh, well, let's get in. No, Harry so, Dragon's fine. Harry Dragon I, I is think fine. That's a, yeah, I think that's a. It's either a porn name or a '70s made-up kung fu name. I loved his stint on the Harry Simpsons Dragon. for the past 27 years. It's been a delight. All right, let's get in. Speaking of animation, let's get into our second new release for you. Here is the trailer for Sausage Party. 
cooking? What you got cooking? Look at these big old buns. Waiting to get filled with my meat. Yeah, right, Carl. Who in this package would ever let Carl get up in them, huh? <laughs> Roberta, put your fucking hand down. You're ruining my joke. <laughs> Ketchup, mustard, oh, sausages and buns. Because we belong together. I know it's against the rules, but just the, the tips. <sighs> Prepare yourself, little sausage. You're about to learn the terrible truth. About cooking something. <sighs> beautiful, man. It's just beautiful. As soon as you're out those doors. Oh, Jesus, fuck! The gods kill our asses. You fucking whore! Me eyes! They burn! <laughs> Sense. Why would they do that? Uh, because it makes them stronger? Hunger's insatiable, buddy. I mean, fuck. How do you know all this? We the non-perishables, motherfucker. I gotta tell everyone. They will die otherwise. Fuck you, weenies. What if the cuts are doing this to us because we touch tips? <sighs> it wasn't even that... I mean, it was fine. It's not like anyone writes home and says, oh, God, I had the best tip. Together, we can fight these monsters and take control of our own lives. Come on, join the fight! Make it rain. Gary, just throw this fucking toothpick at me, man. We need to make them see us. I have a plan. Here goes everything. Hello? You're all alive and looking at me with your little shoes and your arms and your legs. Look at me. I ain't got no legs. You ain't my goddamn legs. What did he do to you? You don't want to fucking know. All right, that was the trailer for Sausage Party, our last new release review of this week. IMDb plotline, I don't know that it can get simpler. A sausage tries to discover the truth about his existence. That's <laughs> fucking wholly accurate. And, and, you know, it's pretty much there. Uh, this is uh, directed by uh, Greg Tiernan and uh, Conrad Vernon, starring eight billion fucking people. Uh, Seth Rogen, Kristen Wiig, Jonah Hill, Bill Hader, Michael Sarah, James Franco, Danny McBride, Craig Robinson, Paul Rudd, Nick Kroll, uh, Edward Norton, Selma Hayek, crap load of other people. Um, so this is an R-rated comedy, and yes. I'd, I'd heard things, because uh, it's, it's in the style of kind of a Pixar animated kind of deal. Uh-huh. And but clearly for adults, as you heard in the trailer. And I don't know. I think you should take the kids to this thing. You might could. show them a thing or two. <laughs> learn them about the world. Oh, they'll learn about some stuff. Um, and some choice language. It's great. But here's the thing. Um, I'd heard like Seth Rogen say the statement of like, I don't think you know. There's not a lot to compare this movie to. And uh, automatically you think, well, I mean, we do have the Toy Story movies about, you know, kind of inanimate objects that have like a life of their own and, and all that kind of stuff. And where it's sort of kind of like that, it's not really. No. This this movie actually, I think, is singular. Uh, when, I, when I saw it, I immediately put on uh, Facebook my little, uh, like, 
like one sentence review was basically um, uh, Sausage Party is the most insane thing I think I've ever seen released by a major studio. Or it, at least in a long time. It's bizarre that, like, if you put this down on paper and somebody said, yeah, let's do that. Uh-huh. And then, like, and then someone gave money to do it. And then they did it. I like who gave money to do it, too. Oh, my it, God. It was yes. Annapurna Pictures, which uh, has been the the, like leading producer of the middle brow motion picture <laughs> for a long time now right i mean the, the their roster of things uh is is pretty fucking good uh and you will recognize a lot of them right so um uh the master right yeah. uh killing them softly lawless zero dark 30 her american hustle foxcatcher uh joy Wiener dog. Everybody wants some. What do you think that they're this movie their, uh, just like all of those? <laughs> but but what do you think their marketing strategy is? Like how are they choosing these projects? What are, of, if, if you had to look at what the consistent choice being made is there, who who's making those movies? What types of filmmakers? Ones with something to say. Interesting yeah, ones. but but who also right are making movies that major studios don't want to dump all of their cash at. Yeah, because it, I mean, because on paper, because, a lot of those they're things probably not going to make a lot of money. Some of them. Yeah, very very risky in a lot of ways for a major studio to just go. Yeah, we'll slap our name on this thing that yeah. sounds wildly unproven. Um, and so here, what's what's interesting is that what what Sausage Party effectively does then is it 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 throws. Rogan and Goldberg into that same auteurist camp, yeah, with Linklater, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, fucking um, Catherine Bigelow, right? Uh, and, and just Jones. all those filmmakers, <laughs> like, right? Uh, and and yeah, okay, they're not the guys who directed this thing, but you know, I I don't think that when you look at uh, like Greg Tiernan. And uh, Conrad Vernon, who get the directing credits on here, uh, they're they're not the auteurs they, that are behind this. They fucking put it thing. together, but it ain't theirs. Yeah, I mean this is this is, uh, I mean it's the five people who wrote the fucking thing, mm. right? It's it's Kyle Hunter, Ariel Schaefer, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and then Jonah Hill, who uh, came up with the story with them. Um. My guess is, after smoking a lot of weed, we all decided, you know, it'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And then, like those guys do, they go, "That sounds ridiculous. Let's do it, and let's make it good. Not yes. just fucking stupid. Not just like, ha ha ha. What if it were Toy Story, but with 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 groceries? Let's make it fucking good." Yeah. Well, I think they do that. Yeah. I had a lot of fucking fun at this movie. It is dumb in the best ways that their movies are often dumb. I mean, you and I are kind of fanboys of them. Mm-hmm. That's uh, so. Right? Uh, like, I really do think that they're fucking great, uh, brilliant most of the time. Sometimes not as much, but, you know, like, whatever. Everybody has some uh, swings and misses. Yeah. Um, Sausage Party, I think, is, uh, like, singular in just how fucking bizarre it is 
in all the ways. I mean, the last 15 fucking minutes of this movie, except for the very end, mm -hmm. it's, it, I mean, it's like a, like a fucking murder and, and orgy scene. Yeah. That's all, all that's fucking going on for like a solid 15 minutes is food killing humans and then fucking each other nonstop in every position you could ever imagine food fucking one another in. It's that bizarre. And yeah, it, and it I, I, like I really don't think I've ever seen anything that did all that shit. No, and here's the thing, man. It's like as dumb and silly and stupid as a lot of it is, it, it, it has something to say at the exact same time. Uh -huh. And that's and that's rare to do. All of a sudden, I'm sitting in the middle of this thing, and I'm going, "Are, are we fucking doing an allegory for Israel and Palestine here right now? For reals? Yep. Fucking wow! We, is the main plot about uh, why religion doesn't matter? And 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 also, I think at the same time too, also tolerance of other people. And yep. I even and I even work some government shit in there myself, and I'm one of those. Oh yeah, cats, it's but, all in there. So right? there's so much heavy stuff in this that you know. But in but that's what's nice is is that while you know clearly you know as as you can tell by watching the movie, it comes off on the atheist side. It also sits there and just goes like, "Hey man, there ain't nothing wrong with those other guys either. As long as you know everything's all cool and stuff, we're all good." And it's about, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, you don't have to be a dick to those people. Those people don't have to be a dick to you. We can all fucking get along. It doesn't matter where we're going or how we're going or what we're doing. Maybe we can all learn to fucking get along with each other. Maybe we, maybe that could be a harmonious world. Who's to say? You know? <laughs> Not me. But this fucking movie, the animated sausage, fucking other buns and shit, made that goddamn movie. And there's so many, like, and again... This comes off as the deft hands of these guys. There's, there's so much that so many people will just go. This is so fucking insensitive and so rude and so. But fuck you. Those all work, and they work on a particular level, and they're there for a reason. The old adage, the old like little saying of like you know, uh, stereotypes come from a true place. Th they all fucking do. Now, is it always truth? No, but there's always, and that's why the shit's. That's why shit is funny. That's why stereotype jokes and things of that nature, different sets of comedy, you know, women be shopping or whatever. Well, I, well, I think it's funny because there's, to... there's there's an air of truth in those always. And if you look at those from a warped perspective and stuff and go by and then not only embrace those things, but also celebrate those things and laugh at the dumb shit that's in them, then we can like that's how we fucking get along in the world, man. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that uh, like what one thing this movie does that's really smart is uh it takes the stereotype that exists in the fucking food mm -hmm. and uses that to sell part of its message as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I and I think you have to do that. And and the fact that it does it for everything uh, is great. Um, when when Craig Robinson's package of grits, I love that starts on right. God, I'm just so like, good. yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah. Crackers came in and moved you off your fucking aisle. It's of course so, they did. It's so good how, like, again, this is just, if you're a dumb fucking idiot, you'll just love it because of the, you know, the the crude humor in it. If you got a fucking brain in your skull, you'll like it because it's fucking smart. And how, like, the, the, the uh, 
again, god damn it, this is so smart. It's just the the aisles of the grocery store. Everybody's segmented off into their own things. People have pushed other people other places. Uh, you know, they're buying for, you know, specific spots and everything. People want to be chosen. People want to, uh, you know, be the ones who are accepted and everything. It's pretty astounding. Mm-hmm. And it's and, yeah. and at the same time, it is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'm just like I'm shocked at the shit that goes on in this thing. Like the, I love the kind of Saving Private Ryan moment, where just like where the uh, the cart smashes there, and then all the groceries are everywhere, and it just looks like a war zone and everything. You, people are like food's dying because the packages are broken and stuff's like leaked all <laughs> over the thing, and they're just like, yeah, that's my wife. Well, it's like a broken jar. And, of jelly's like, no, I'll fix you. But, but you know, like Nick Kroll. Playing, uh, playing his character. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like he, he's the douche, but like uh, that's uh, Bobby Bottle Service, right? From mm-hmm. Krolsha. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, and the fact that the bad guy is a douche, literally. Is, like, it, it's just perfect, right? And I, I and, love like the the kind of the ju- the juicing up of him all the time and stuff. Yeah, is so great. The different levels that he achieves. It's like by juicing up. Yeah, exactly. And what the links that he goes to is like, you tell anybody about this, bro. I fucking deny it. <laughs> yeah, I, su- I sucked a grape juice carton's dick, bro. <laughs> it's just like you again. There's so many things you're just like, I'm seeing this right now. I'm fucking. Anna Perna said, "I'm giving you a bunch of money. Go do that thing that you told me that you're gonna go do." Fucking astounding. Yes. But I mean, there's there's so much to go through. This this will be one to own on Blu-ray, and because my guess is there is so much shit going on in this thing you don't even know about, because it is it is so expertly animated. There is there's scenes where there is just so much going on when they go down to the liquor uh, aisle. There's so much going on in there. I'm just like I'm, I'm astounded at what the work and craftsmanship that was done in this thing. And everybody's just really good. Yeah. Well, let's let's go into spoiler territory for like two minutes here. I'm gonna give my recommendation. Go and see this fucking thing. It's hilarious. Ditto. Take your kids. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, they're not mine. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to raise them. <laughs> I don't have to explain what's going on. Uh, when when the when a sausage loves a hot dog very very much. <laughs> yeah. When the tea bags are talking about tea bagging at four precisely. <laughs> you'll you'll explain it i don't have to um so what did you make of uh that ending it's pretty fucking gnarly i and and a brilliant move i think yes now at the same time too have you heard about what they kind of thought almost for the sequel yeah because okay so uh you know again these are all these are spoilers these are all spoilers but at the same time you know there it goes these these fucking things figure out they're in a goddamn movie. Holy yeah. shit. I was like, oh my God, they've become sentient and aware of what they're doing right now. Uh, that kind of, that I did not expect. At, at, so many things I could have guessed at. That sure shit would not have been one of them. And if they go into actually doing a Roger Rabbit style sequel to this, I don't know what the yeah. fuck is going to happen. But I'm excited for it. Yeah. Anything else that kind of like flow out? Because that, like, when that happened, I was like, "Oh, you got to be shitting me, right?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, 
Well, what what's great about that is they they consciously made the decision to remove that being the ending, mm-hmm. right? Because that was the original ending. The work in progress cut ended with them being found. Okay. Uh, and they cut it because they're like, well, what if we want to use this for the sequel? And I fucking hope they do. I want to see that shit. I don't know. I'm all for it. Yeah. But I was, yeah, this this whole thing, um, again, I, 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 I will probably, i be honest, I'll probably go watch it again theatrically. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, we got a lot of stuff coming out, but honestly, I, I think this is worth going to see a second time, no doubt. I think I think so too. I'm gonna check it out again as well. I mean, the guy. I mean, I love I love the idea that you know, dosing on bath salts is what <laughs> that's what makes you able to see. You're able to see into uh, the, the third realm. <laughs> yeah, which is a which is a great way to explain uh, the the Pixar problem, mm-hmm. right? Of humans not being able to see all this other shit that's going on around them constantly. It's just all and, there, and that, but and they they just explain it here. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> hey, your third chakra's not open, man. You can't fucking see because your eyes don't allow you to see, right? Right. So when we open that third chakra up, you are just you're open to any and all stimuli that come towards you, and you realize that carrot just didn't fall off the fucking counter. It ran off the counter, and you right. fucking ate that little baby carrot. You ate a baby, you monster motherfucker. <laughs> so good. So good. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. So go see Sausage Two. Party. That's it. I think that's our show. Two wildly go high recommendations. See. Absolutely. Uh, so next week, Matt, we don't yes. stop around here, do we? From what I've heard, no, no. So even even when we had the weeks off, we don't. Not it's not even a week off. We're still working. As we said at the top of the show, we got War Dogs up next week. We got Kubo and the Two Strings, and we also got God Help Us All, Ben Hur, which is rocking at this point as of Oof. this recording a thirty three percent on the Rotten Tomatoes. Where's War Dogs? Sixty two. Kubo ninety percent. So, um, yeah, I think we know what's going to be the stinker next week. Christ Almighty, how long? Okay, at least it's not as long as the original Ben Hur. Ben Hur's only two four. That's not too bad. Could be. Worse. I, uh, I do hope that finally Hell or High Water opens near me, too, because I have heard nothing but good things about that shit. I know the that, title. That's the one with, it's the, it's with uh, uh, Jeff Bridges and um, uh, oh, ben, uh, Chris uh, ben, ben Foster. Ben Foster and Chris Pine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that movie looks fucking phenomenal, and I hope that opens, um, because I will see that shit. Uh I'm a I'm a big revisionist western fan, so let, let's do it. Let's do it and do it well and do it all the time. All right, so uh, in that case, so yeah, we'll we'll do all that kind of shit next week, Matt. In the meantime, where can we find more of your work on the interwebs? Well, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at matt underscore boyd underscore smith. Um, and uh, I don't know. Eventually, we'll be doing something soon with the preacher podcast. So keep your feeds open on that one. There's always going to be a little bit of something somewhere and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, feeding it in, figuring it out, kind of what uh-huh. to do in the offseason, all that kind of good stuff. And again, we want to let everybody know uh, Matt and I are going to be at Dragon Con this year, and uh, we want to meet some of your pretty, beautiful faces. Uh, so drop us an email, hit us up on the tweets or something at the Film Find, and, uh, you know, we'll get up with you, man. Uh, throw some high fives your way, do some drinking, whatever you want to do. That's what Dragon Con is for, baby. All that kind of good stuff. So, uh, And, of course, my other podcast, Hero Movie Podcast, at HeroMoviePodcast.com. Uh, this week uh, we do uh, The Incredible Hulk Returns, 
which is a made-for-TV movie co-starring yes, the is. Hulk, and it is fucking awful. We have a good time doing it. Chris Elvin's co-starring the Hulk is actually accurate. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, <laughs> that movie is something else, man. But uh, anyways, we'll, we talk about that on there, and of course, Do you like that show. fight at the end. I don't like if you can call anything it's pretty that's memorable, right? Everything in this movie is memorable. <laughs> All the fights are just Luferigno and uh, whatever the cat's name is that played Thor flexing. That's their fighting. I'm gonna touch a few things and then I'm gonna flex real hard and scream. They, they should have just gotten that uh, like glam rocker Thor to play Thor. Uh, maybe one. I it couldn't have been. It worse. wasn't. Couldn't have been worse though. All right, that is it, everybody. Until next week when we talk those movies and more. For Matt Smith, I'm Adam Porches. Take it easy, everybody. The radio sings some forgotten song. Forgot how goddamn long great our love is. <laughs> it's a good song. Yeah. But that's Pretty what you play when you're driving on the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man. Uh huh. So, yeah, I'm probably going to get off this thing and play that Batman game. I'm just, uh, I'm all about being Batman. But what I like about kind of Telltale and all this other stuff is that they, um, 
it's like it's not just about being Batman because I, I liked like the all the Arkham City games and stuff, like the, all the Arkham games. Right. But you're just fucking Batman. Uh huh. You're just Batman, and Batman, uh, you know, there's there's two sides of him and everything, and in this you get to play him. I mean, there's a whole thing where you're uh, so Harvey Dent's not Two Face as of yet, right? And you right. uh, and you're at a uh, you're at Wayne Manor there throwing kind of a fundraiser for him to be elected mayor and all that kind of jazz. Uh, but it's interesting. So Falcone comes in and you got to give like you know the right you know dialogue answers and stuff and things change based upon you know kind of what you do slightly of course but you know it's uh it's interesting. I just I just like it to where you know it's it's a comic it's like a comic book slash movie that I'm playing so. I think we need more entertainment such as that. But uh, if this, I, so I bought the first episode. The season pass is like twenty five bucks for like five episodes. So I'll probably get all the rest of them if this one turns out half as good as it seems that it's going to be. So hmm. yeah, I, look, I look forward to figuring it out. I'm just, looking if forward it's to good or not myself. I'm looking forward to talk about War Dogs because I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. We'll get into it super big, but uh, the kind of comedic directors going over to more uh, serious material. Uh-huh. So I think, uh, to me, that's going to be one of the big things to talk about, I think, because I think it's interesting, because I think we're seeing a lot of guys who we know have talent, you know, especially as comedic directors and everything, but also being able to take that kind of plunge and do a little something else, and I, I like it. So far, I've liked it. I'll put it this way. So, like, you know, things like The Big Short and then War Dogs coming up. Traditionally, comedy directors coming in doing more kind of heavy stuff. I dig. You don't see a uh, lot. You don't yeah. see a lot of people going the other direction. You don't. You don't see. Uh, you know, uh, fucking David Fincher doing a slapdash comedy. No. Although, did you hear the big news about him this week? I I I. Th- Saw with, that with, with uh, Brad Pitt trying to get him. Yeah, I, I don't want that to happen. I love David Fincher too much, and I, look, I liked I liked World War Z. We both did, mm-hmm. but I don't want him to sully his career with that. I don't think he need. I don't. He doesn't need that. But, I think. But that's here's the, the thing: will will it sully his career? I don't think so. Well, maybe maybe sully. May, that may be too harsh of a phrase, but I I feel that his. I feel that his talent could be used in better places than that. I mean, those are. I mean, it's it's not for nothing. Maybe. Look, I I want to be convinced I, that I'm I wrong. I want him. To, I want him to do a. I want him to do a fucking blockbuster, man. I'd love to see that shit. Oh, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> okay, I got you. He uh-huh. do, he doesn't need that. And you want to know why? I don't think he needs it. No, 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 I no, no, no. See it. no, no. I I know. I don't think. Well, I think he as a filmmaker doesn't need it because. If David Fincher does something that's fucking gigantic, th- he's already a control freak, which I love, which m- pumps out great fucking movies, you know. Yeah. Uh, be- because of that, like, hey, we're gonna do, we're you're gonna drop this notebook down on- into this frame fifty times if you have to to make it fall the way that I want it to fall. Fucking, we're gonna make that work, but. That could only fuel his ego even more, which may either make him even better of a filmmaker or want to, like, just maybe go down a hole that's so deep he can never get out. I don't know. Maybe it's a weird thought. Yeah. But I just, like, anything that he does at this point, I'm just, like, I'm excited for. Is it that there's just certain directors... That when they say, here's the next thing coming from them, like, no matter what it is, 
here's my fucking 10 bucks. Whatever Tarantino's doing next, here's my 10 bucks. Whatever Scorsese's doing next, here's my 10 bucks. Paul Thomas Anderson, 10 bucks. I don't give a fuck. Because there's certain directors that I'm just like, even if I don't love it, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be something about it that, you know, they took a little extra time. They put a little bit of something of themselves in it to make it special. And there's not a ton, ton of directors that I could do that with, I don't think. Yeah. It's a it's a good hand. Maybe a good two handfuls, but not not a ton. Some you're just like, I mean, even as much as, you know, because I know a lot of people are, you know, sucking his dick over the past two years. But, you know, Inaritu coming in and doing what he does. Good stuff. But, you know, I don't, at this point, I'm still not at the, like, the next point where I'm just like, ooh, what's Inaritu's next film? I'm like, I'm interested enough, but I'm not, like, interested like I'm interested in whatever Fincher's next film is. But that's just me. Fair enough. Anyways, we'll talk about shit next week. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Later.